Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, December thirteenth episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A. Rate. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Now, in addition to the Poets and Muses website and our SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. With us today is Patrizia Longitano, with whom I will be discussing her poem "Mating Strategies in the Animal World" and my poem "An Assessment." Before we get into that, however, I'm going to go over some virtual poetry events taking place during the week of December 14th. On Monday, December 14th, from 8:15 p.m. Amsterdam time. Labyrinth will be hosting their weekly open mic. You can find out more information and register at labyrinthamsterdam.nl/poundsignevents. Again, that's labyrinthamsterdam.nl/poundsignevents. From 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Cafe Condom Poets will be hosting their Dream Memory Ecstasy, a workshop reading with Leiden Osman. You can find out more information by going to cavecondompoets.org/calendar. Again, that's cavecondompoets.org/calendar. From 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Lost City Books will be hosting a reading and discussion with the DC Poetry Collective, featuring Vadim Kagan, Martin Parker, Mark Fishbein, and Keith Parsons. You can find out more information and register at facebook.com/lostcitybooks. Again, that's facebook.com/lostcitybooks. From 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Frizzy Productions will be hosting their Poets Playground Open Mic via Instagram Live at poets underscore playground underscore. Again, that's at poets underscore playground underscore. From eight to eleven p.m. Mountain Time, the Barbed Wire Open Mic series will be hosting its weekly open mic. You can find out more information and register at bwoms.com. That's bwoms.com. Again, that's bwoms.com. On Tuesday, December fifteenth, from three to five p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Urban Word NYC will be hosting their weekly first draft open mic for those between the ages of thirteen and twenty-three. It's a virtual writing workshop and open mic series facilitated by Roya Marsh. You can find out more information and register at urbanwordnyc.org/firstdraft. Again, that's urbanwordnyc.org/firstdraft. From 8 to 10:30 p.m. Eastern Time, Alexa Lash and Kiana Major will be hosting their creatively undistanced open mic. You can find out more information at Major Muse on Instagram. Again, that's Major Muse on Instagram. Muse is spelled M-U-Z-E. On Wednesday, December 16th, from 8:30 p.m. Beirut Time. Sidewalk Beirut will be hosting their online open mic. You can find out more information at Sidewalk underscore Beirut on Instagram or Sidewalk Beirut on Facebook. Again, that's either at Sidewalk underscore Beirut on Instagram or Sidewalk Beirut on Facebook. From six to eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Cave Canem will be hosting their Ecstastic and the Body, a workshop reading with Amatera James. You can find out more information and register at cavecanempoets.org/calendar. Again, that's cavecanempoets.org/calendar. At six p.m. Pacific Standard Time, the Los Angeles Poets Society. Will be hosting their Voices of Color with Chris Wilson. This time featuring Bridget Bianca. You can find out more information at Los Angeles Poet Society on Instagram. Again, that's 
at Los Angeles Poet Society on Instagram. Also from 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, the Los Angeles Poet Society will be hosting the first of their three Love Letters to 2020 Poetry Workshop with Jessica M. Wilson. This workshop is for writers 13 and above. You can find out more information at lapoetsociety.org. Again, that's at lapoetsociety.org. Just go past the December writing prompts and click on the calendar link. On Thursday, December 17th, from 8.30 p.m. Melbourne, Australia time, Make Magic Happen Press and Kelly Van Nelson will be hosting their open mic night. You can find out more information and register at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 352-323-639-267-122. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 352-323-639-267-122. From 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, Defunct Magazine will be hosting their Volume 6 launch party featuring Jennifer Nestle and Camille Josephine. You can find out more information and register at defunctmag.com forward slash events. Again, that's defunctmag.com forward slash events. Defunct is spelled D-E-F-U-N-K-T. Again, that's D-E-F-U-N-K-T. F-U-N-K-T. From 7.30 to 9 p.m. Arizona time, District 4 Poetry will be hosting their monthly poetry open mic, now hosted by our past poet guest, Dave Ayala. You can find out more information by visiting facebook.com forward slash District 4 Poetry. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash District 4 Poetry. Four is the number four. On Friday, December 18th, from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. British time, Poetry LGBT will be hosting their Speak Your Truth writing workshop. You can find out more information at Poetry LGBT on Instagram or on Facebook. Again, that's Poetry LGBT on Instagram or Facebook. On Saturday, December 19th, from 3 to 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, City of Asylum will be hosting their Between Poetry and Performance Choreo Poems as an Avenue for Joy with Monica Prince. You can find out more information and register at cityofasylum.org. Again, that's cityofasylum.org. From 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Los Angeles Poet Society will be hosting their Ekphrastic Poetry Workshop with Jessica M. Wilson. You can find out more information, again, by going to lapoetsociety.org. Again, that's lapoetsociety.org. From 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Mighty Mike McGee will be hosting his Open Mike McGee number 13, featuring me and Chris Logson and Jeff Cottrell. You can find out more information by DMing me at Poets and Muses on Twitter or Instagram. Again, that's at Poets and Muses on Twitter or Instagram. On Sunday, December 20th, from 5 to 7 p.m. British time, Poetry LGBT will be hosting their open mic. You can find out more information at Poetry LGBT on either Instagram or Facebook. From 9 to 11 p.m. Moroccan time, Moroccan poets will be hosting their open mic via Instagram Live at Moroccan Poets. Again, that's at Moroccan Poets. From 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, the Los Angeles Poet Society will be hosting their One Mic, One Globe with Alex Petunia. You can find out more information, again, at lapoetsociety.org. And now let us welcome our Poet Guest of the Week, Patricia Longitano. Hi, Patricia. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Hello, Imogen. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm so excited to be here. 
Yeah, very excited to speak with you today. You brought with you your poem, Mating Strategies in the Animal World. Before we get into that, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a nanny, and I've been a nanny for more than 10 years. Mm-hmm. And actually, I've been working for the same family for more than nine years. Mm. So it's a big part of my life. Mm. And I guess it's a choice that I made because I like the idea that there is a big chunk of my life that is water. Mm-hmm. And these things need to be somehow stable and safe. Mm-hmm. So with the rest of my time, uh, I can do what I want, like uh, poetry. Great. That's wonderful. Yeah. I was wondering when you started to write poetry, like how old you were. I think I was more or less 14, 15. Okay. I would just copy what I would study weekly in my Italian class at mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would just try to emulate the poet uh, that we would have to study that week. Mm-hmm. It was still something that uh, I wasn't really conscious of what I was doing. Mm. And for me, it was more like a diary mm. uh, in a poetic form. Mm. And then uh, when I was, let's say, 18, I got really obsessed with uh, the big generation. Mm. I really liked their focus on the rhythm, the musicality, mm. uh, uh, poetry, and I really liked the fact that uh, for them, uh, there was all that philosophy about the first draft uh, is more than fine. You don't need to do any rewriting. Mm. Um, but then, of course, uh, you know, I was too young to understand that actually, even they would have to rewrite uh, right. what they wrote. Right. And I'm sure that how has to be written many times. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, even for novels like you know, the road, uh, you know, there is the, the story of him uh, writing the novel on the on the road, on the paper. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, after that, uh, he had to work on it for, you know, quite a long time. So... Right, the Kerouac. Yeah, um, okay. Yes, yes. So, yeah, so for quite a few years, uh, I was really into anything that the new generation produced. Mm-hmm. And then when I came here, London... Very soon uh, I decided that I wanted to start writing in English because even in Italy I would feel some kind of connection with uh, the English language and the way the rhythm would work uh, Mm. in in English rather Mm -hmm. than in Italian. Mm. Something would click in my mind, in my my head. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started writing poetry in English uh, and then. I just started doing courses and going to poetry reading, you know, the usual. Um, (laughs) And uh, yes, and then for a while I stopped Mm. for a very silly reason. I started sending poems to magazines and actually I started having a positive feedback. Mm -hmm. And that actually freaked me out. I really (laughs) didn't know what to do with this, let's call it success. Right. Uh, That was just merely you know, a poem published in the magazine, you know. Uh, and I thought that uh, to to poetry courses, to poetry reading. And a few years ago, I started again. I thought, uh, you know, you just need to get over yourself uh, and, uh, you know, just uh, do poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this poem, the one that we're about to discuss, is that one also in the new anthology that's out? No, not this specific poem. This poem, actually, I wrote it, I think, a little bit more than a couple of years ago. But I was never actually sure that it was good enough to send it out. Mm. And then um, I think maybe a month ago, I workshopped it. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the poetry course that I'm doing, mm-hmm. and I felt more secure about it. And so, when you contacted me, I thought, uh, "Well, let's send it and let's see what the modern is going to do." <laughs> if you don't mind reading that for us, then we can talk about it. Yes. Mating strategies 
in the animal world. A promise is a promise. So let me tell you what's going to happen tonight and multiple times during the day from now on. I need you sleepless and ready every time the drums are beating. Meantime, in a faraway city like Mogadishu, between potted plants, a little male jumping spider climbs a much bigger female. Redefining meanings of whip through, he wonders, is he going to survive? Biting, screaming, looking for a lover, cause uh, reproductive purposes are important too. A promise is a promise, so let's break every taboo. Say out loud, penis, nipples, armpits, clitoris, everything rhymes. Under the window in my garden lay still one shoe that I threw out when undressing, and we both laughed looking at our naked skin getting warmer and stickier than glue. In an African savanna, right now, it's bedtime. A female hyena waits impatiently with her seven inches in full view for a male to be an enduring crusader looking for his holy grail, hoping that his bite won't be too big to chew. The heat is broiling. We are broiling. We knew better than to become vines because sooner or later, harvesting time will come. But we were never famous for being smart animals. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So I was wondering um, what made you decide to write this particular poem? So it's actually not really connected to anything. It's not connected to a specific episode in my life. Huh? Mm-hmm. But for a long time, uh, I've been wanting to write a sex poem. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to write a romantic poem, but I wanted to write something sexual. But I had many worries. For mm-hmm. example, I would uh, wonder do people want to hear a sex poem? Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, if I have the courage to write a sexual poem, what? Uh, what I describe becomes photographic. Mm-hmm. Do I want to risk to do that? My other word was uh, what if it becomes uh, ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know? And then people laugh at you rather than, you know, laugh with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided to try it because I thought, you know what, the worst case scenario. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. What's the scenario? I can uh, I can just become the female version of Charles uh, Bukowski, and you know, mm. I don't think it would be the end of the world. Um, <laughs> and I did try with this poem to do that. I don't think uh, I really achieved uh, what was in my mind, mm. but at the same time, uh, I don't mind uh, what uh, it had become. You know, what the result. So. Mm. Uh, well, I'm okay with this first, uh, this first uh, attempt. Mm. So what, what were you trying to achieve? What I was trying to achieve was really just to talk about sex in a poem. Mm. Uh, but then I guess uh, I, I ended up writing something that maybe it was more humorous mm-hmm. than, you know, oh, my goodness, after reading this poem, I'm feeling so hot, you know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's, uh, you know, people are feeling after reading the poem. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. There's an escalation, right? Yes. In the poem, in each stanza, it goes, it's sort of like a novelita, very small, mm-hmm. or a very short film. Yeah. There are stand-ins. I wonder, before I ask you other, another question, uh, uh-huh. how, if the title, if it's, if the title is something that you thought of before or after? What I remember is that I had this idea, okay, I'm going to try to write this poem, and 
I really wanted to compare human factors to animal factors mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, even when we describe uh, a certain kind uh, of passionate factor, we do say, oh, they behave like animals. Mm-hmm. But actually, animals have factors because uh, they have a purpose and the purpose is reproduction. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I just wanted to have this uh, comparison to the poem mm. between the, the cattle and uh, various kind of animals that you have this uh, particular detail about them mm-hmm. um, that make them look stranger, but actually they are quite normal because uh, that's the way they are and, uh, you know, the end of the game is reproduction, so actually, you know, it's nothing strange. Yeah. Ironically enough, there there are other species. And well, first of all, we human beings are part of the animal kingdom, which I thought was interesting because the title of the poem also hints at the this idea. Because even though in the second stanza where you're talking about the spider, for reproductive reasons having sex. The fact is you kind of alluded to the possibility of being pregnant or becoming pregnant at the end of the last stanza as well. Yeah. And um, the secondly, the there are other species of animals that have sex for social reasons. There's a species of monkeys that have sex just, you know, th- that's how they, it's like them shaking hands, like, basically. Okay. I forgot the name of the, this is going to bother me. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to find out because I have got Google. And this is why we have Google. Have <laughs> oh, the Bonnables. The Bonnables. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the Bonnables basically has even more, more sex, more casual sex than humans. And also in, in the animal kingdom, there is uh, homosexual sex as well. Uh, and oh, e- even it's funny because I just saw the other day some videos about animals, uh, lions having homosexual sex for social purposes. Um, oh. So there are other species. I think maybe there's a, at least one kind of penguin, I think. King penguin or something that have homosexual behavior and they will take care of other couples eggs so we are actually quite similar to other species of animals I don't think that's why I kind of wanted to ask you about how you came up with a name for this particular poem because I I was wondering if the similarities are kind of uh, done on purpose or, or it was accidental. I guess it was a mix because uh, in my mind, uh, I wanted uh, humans and animals to be in the same. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, uh, in my mind, uh, we were the ones who have sex just for fun, you know, not just uh, for reproduction purposes. It is humorous and the parts where you're cutting in, in a way, because it's visual, very, very visual. Um, the the poem, which is why when I was reading it, both reading it and listening to you read it, I could actually picture what you're talking about in my head, and it seemed like a mini film. I also wonder, like, how much research you did into this, the aspects of the the spider as well as the hyenas. Were these things that you especially researched for your poem, or or are there are they facts you already knew previous to writing this? This is something that I do quite often with poems. I like uh, to research things that I don't know, mm-hmm. and then you know I just make notes uh, and leave. and then from there I can see the poem forming. Mm-hmm. So actually, I did have uh, other animals. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to find the. Uh, old notes that I used uh, to, to create this poem, but I couldn't. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but I remember that I had many other animals in the initial poem. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I was just worried that, that it was taking too long, uh, and <laughs> you know, I didn't want uh, the reader to lose uh, the focus. So I decided to move it uh, to Python. Can you explain what whip through is? My God, <laughs> I don't remember anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I can't remember. I know that uh, at the time when I wrote it, uh, it all makes sense uh, um, mm. and it was all connected. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, at this time, uh, I don't know why I can only think uh, of the movie about the drama that has nothing to do. Uh, my yeah. yeah. Oh, it's alright. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I think it's it's kind of both fun and kind of uh, demonstrative of things that that perhaps you didn't want to touch on directly, but are also happen in human sexual interactions, like the the biting, the screaming. And it's also interesting that you talked about because reproductive purposes are important too. It's almost like, whether accidentally or on purpose, it's almost like you are hinting that there is some pleasure to it other than just reproductive purposes. Yes. I go back again to the animal fact that, uh, and even for us, you know, the whole point of having sex uh, because uh, we need to have children. Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, evolution uh, made us uh, realize that actually you don't have to have uh, sex uh, only for children. You can have sex just for fun. Mm -hmm. um, so that was definitely a point that I wanted to put in the poem. Right, right. Since you included this poem in the packets for possible poems to discuss, mm -hmm. I wonder if there are certain topics or certain things about this poem that you were particularly interested in, in discussing. Yes, it was uh, for me important, uh, you know, and again, I don't have necessarily an answer to my question, mm -hmm. but the whole point uh, of try to write uh, a sexual poem, it was uh, because I was wondering what if I end up writing a pornographic poem? Mm -hmm. You know, can a pornographic poem be a good poem? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, because I was thinking about the fact that even when you, you talk about art and paintings and installations, you know, you always say, oh, but it's art, it's not pornography. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm thinking, what if it is? Would it really be that bad if it was? Mm -hmm. You know, what if I really push that boundary? Right, right. And the boundary also depends on the setting too, right? I think it's interesting that, that question because you know, for different people it would be a different answer. I don't think there is a standard answer, mm -hmm. right? And and no, yeah, and to me, a poem can be both poetic and a good poem and pornographic. Meaning to me that it is very graphic in terms of the descriptions of what's taking place. Uh -huh. And of course, when you are describing using words, it always takes extra effort because <laughs> it's not a picture, it's not a film, and even it, it's not even a painting in the sense that painting can give the viewer a direct depiction, whereas words, no matter what, when it gets into the viewer's head, it's being translated. So I feel like there's more room for translation, I guess, opportunities for meaning to mutate. Okay, yeah. So even if, let's say this poem, even if somebody who's more sensitive, for instance, might look at this poem and say, well, this is pornographic. Yeah. And then for other people who are used to much more graphic language and in, in uh, poems about sex might say, well, no, it's not. So there is room for interpretation much more oh, yeah. than... Definitely. 
poem in both the first and the third stanza when you're talking about the people having sex you start off the stanza with a promise is a promise so I was wondering what that was about well that was just uh, in my mind uh, to people when they're going to have uh, sex uh, for a very long time uh, day and night uh, day and night uh, day and night uh, yes that was my you know we have promised to each other that uh, that we're starting is going to last for a very long time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What did you think? Oh, I had thought perhaps a promise is a promise is, you know, that thing with inside jokes that you're basically, it's the promise that you made to yourself to write a sex poem. Oh, yes. I like that idea. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I think it's always great. Yeah to have a chance to ask because, you know, like I said, the answer in my mind is probably different from the answer that you have. Yes, and you know, I'm okay with the fact that, uh, you know, I wrote this poem, I have an idea, I have meaning for my life, but then, you know, the moment that uh, you read it aloud uh, or you publish it, then, you know, it's up to the people to give it to you. Um, yeah. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what's uncontrollable and also what's wonderful about art is that it, it becomes like a child that you give birth to and it takes on its own life. Yes, and at the same time, I, I'm okay that, uh, you know, what we write uh, becomes uh, some kind of mirrors for uh, the reader. Mm -hmm. So they, they want to see what they want to see. Right, right. And I think that's, that's why... Like with sex poems, uh, certain people when they read them, they they have such strong reactions. It's not necessarily what the poets are trying to say, but rather what they are seeing. Uh -huh. yes. I think Italy has a has some kind of contact with Somalia, right? Yeah, Somalia and Syria, because of course when there was the time of uh, colonized other places. Yeah. Um, it just happened that uh, when I was researching for uh, the animals, I was looking about this uh, jumping spider and looking at, at the places where we could live. Uh, mm. You know, Uganda was one of them. Okay. So, and even because, you know, there was the, the thing that Mogadishu is the sound uh, that I needed to go through the whole poem, you know, Mogadishu, to do the whole. Right. So, right. So, right. So, so, yeah. Because uh, the animal and the, and the... Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's an ironic coincidence, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Sometimes we as poets, uh, we get lucky. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you mind if I ask you if these particular incidents that are talking about the human sexual encounter, if they were from personal experience or, or they were just made up. It was totally made up, just because uh, I just know that it was, uh, I was born in a period where I was quite horny. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I wish uh, I had a lover like that. And I could say, oh, lucky me, this is my life, but uh, it definitely wasn't. <laughs> yeah. We both thought. Yeah. It's funny because when I was reading it, I wasn't sure if this was describing a real incident um, that you had or a combination of multiple experiences you've had. So... The poem that I chose is also a complete, just a fantasy. So, so I'm going to read yeah. that now and we can talk about it. We're circling each other like sharks in blood-stained water, 
needing continual motion to stay alive. Bitter salted H2O licks our teeth, lining our sandpaper hide, grating her silken waves, sharpening the taste for slaughter. My craving to shred you I see reflected in your beady eyes. The focus of that glinting stare I feel in my own relentless pursuit. I swear it won't be quick, though we accelerate our motion in the eventual tangle. Our rows of teeth will interlock in turn as our bodies mimic the intimacy of mortal enemies. As they scour and scrape away our roughened exterior, may our transformation into the tender and raw be savored. Yes, thank you. Thanks. I chose it because it's also, um, I, I don't know how obvious it is that it is also a sexual poem. Actually, for me, the first stanza, I can't really put my finger on have that aspect to it right it, it has an aspect of almost like well there there's a term like hate fucking basically oh yes oh yes thank you for that kind of fact um <laughs> yeah because uh, um actually i i was thinking about that when i was making a poem and it's crazy how there are these people out there that, you know, as soon as they open their mouth, uh, they're just being uh, put up, uh, you know, don't say another word. But at the same time, uh, there is that uh, thing between you and that person, and, you know, it just is undeniable. Right. You know, the sense of that sense of, uh, happens, you know. You know, I wish that kind of sex to everybody, you know, at least once in their life. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's quite healthy. <laughs> I don't, you know, to be honest, I don't think I've had that. And even in what I was trying to describe, it's not necessarily about that, but just the raw power of it. There, I mean, there's definitely a power dynamic that I set up within the poem, and it is, in a sense, yeah. a struggle, maybe a, even a struggle for dominance in some ways. At the same time, it it's not hay-fucking per se. It's just uh, more... It has that element to it. It has that very much, like, I can't decide how I feel about you, but I'm attracted to you, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think uh, you dealt with the issue very well because uh, again it couldn't be so easy to go in the ironic way mm. and you said uh, instead you stick to it uh, because if you think about it uh, every time uh, the references that we have about this kind uh, of sex uh, mm. or this kind of uh, let's call it struggle between two people for example in movies or TV series it's always comedic <laughs> Oh, it gets comical? Yeah. Yes, yes. I can't think uh, of the from I Love Lucy. Oh, Lucy and Desi. Uh, in a fight with this guy that she actually liked. <laughs> yeah. There was always this sexual tension, but you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very interesting. And that sort of dynamic where you're 
There is a sense of, uh, again, power struggle. Uh, at the same time, there is the definite sexual tension. And it's hard to write, especially in terms of a, a fantasy poem. Mm-hmm. I guess that's why I chose a more predatory uh, animals to, yeah. to embody what I was feeling. Yes, and then uh, I felt that uh, more at the end of the poem, in the last two stanzas, there is more um, even that the uh, idea that not necessarily good sex uh, is equal to beautiful sex. Um, <laughs> because I think uh, we are so used to movies and porn uh, right. um, to have this portrayal of uh, this uh, harmonious and beautiful sex, uh, even when it's rough, uh, you know, mm-hmm. everything makes sense, uh, everything goes uh, as it has to go. Um, <laughs> but actually, in real life, uh, you know, the other uh, in that moment will be like, oh, that, <laughs> that's not pretty, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's messy and, and it's. It, 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 yeah, I think you touch on it in your poem, right? The, when you were talking about, I mean, even the, the idea of whip through, of the possibility of not surviving it, of being hurt by it. There are those elements lurking in the background of real sex, you know, like certain yeah. things like uh, yeah. sexually transmitted diseases, you know, is, is one possibility and... And as women, we all we always have to be extra careful, unfortunately. Um, oh yes. So. Yeah. No. No. That's totally true. Because uh, without going to not even personal or political, but you know, whatever happens, most of the time, uh, who is going to actually be hurt is the woman. Mm. You know. Yeah. You know, not only with diseases, but if you even think that uh, if you get pregnant, uh, you know, it's a problem. The guy wants to help you out, so that's okay, but, you know, not necessarily. You know, there are ways for him uh, to uh, get rid of you. So it's, uh, it's tough. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel like it's this constant fear and worry about that possibility, of which always exists for women that makes it so difficult for us to be fully engaged in in our sexual selves. Yes, I think it takes uh, time uh, to reconnect with ourselves and with other people. It's definitely a journey. Even because, you know, we change, uh, we evolve. Uh, so, you know, it's not that I'm the same uh, of when I was uh, 16. Right. Or even... talking about before in terms of boundaries the definition of what a woman is it seems to be <laughs> different according to the person you're asking yeah but because it's so connected with your idea not only of what you're not but even with what you can or you can do mm. you know for example i thought about the idea that we need to masturbate you know Mm. Yes, because even before when we were talking about it, I was thinking about how women 
are not supposed to masturbate or to have the need of masturbating. And it's weird because, you know, if it's, uh, if it's, if it's for a man, uh, why, should be, why shouldn't it be for a woman? So, um, mm-hmm. And uh, I guess this idea is even connected to the idea that uh, a woman is not allowed uh, to be a slut or to have needs. And so, you know, this whole idea that a woman, you know, doesn't really have to want uh, sex uh, or the fact that uh, maybe, I don't know, I guess it's always connected uh, to that need of the man uh, uh, to have uh, some kind of uh, Madonna, mm. you know, to bed right. rather than a real woman, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that means, because even that, you know, there is only one kind of woman, there are so many. You know, whatever makes you feel comfortable or whatever you want to want. But that's really hard to think, uh, you know, even what uh, I'm saying right now to you is not necessarily what uh, I used to think uh, mm-hmm. uh, or what I thought uh, I needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we evolve, we change, uh, and this is where I am right now. But yeah. Yeah. I can totally understand who are the women, that's not the case. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think that's just it. We should get to define who we are because we are individuals. So individual women, just as individual men, have different sexual needs. And we don't always match up. And if there is that assumption that women are only a certain way or only there to satisfy men's needs we are not fully human then in, in that sense because then we don't have our own agency in terms of something yes yeah as basic yes. as sex so it, um, yes, it's frustrating it just, keep on just being an idea right rather than something real right right exactly that's interesting because like one of the things i also worry about when i write a sex poem i have a number of pieces um uh-huh. It makes me worry, not so much when I write them, but when I recite them, I worry that people who listen to it, but especially the men who listen to it, might think somehow it's for them. Oh, yes, yes, that's so true. Uh, yes, it's always at that, uh, that point. Uh, because actually, now that you think about it, uh, when I workshop, I'm a, a male in the class that was, uh, oh, I think uh, I might be later. And, you know, right. <laughs> who, who said that this poem is for you? Um, you know, who said that the narrator voice uh, is me? Um, right. But again, uh, immediately, you know, the guy has to be something, has to be something like that. Uh, as for, you know, was it uh, about anybody in the room? Uh, <laughs> you know, but you know, what can you do? Yeah, I mean, out of the half of the world that are male, it had to be him. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 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 But you know, and then, you know, I don't even want to say much more about this person actually person is really nice and stuff, but it's just uh, about the time that of course the man uh, is the actress uh, and he was saying, oh, this is for me, no, no, <laughs> for me, you know. Right. Well, it goes back to what you were saying before about how, um, you know, when, when people read uh, someone's poem, it serves as, the poem serves as a mirror to the person, because... The person is reading more what's in their subconscious and what's in their minds. So I guess I'm I'm guessing from his reaction that he has some interest in you. Hello. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, you know, who knows? Uh, you know what life will bring you. Um, maybe you know in uh, six months time uh, I will contact you and tell you, you know what? You were right. <laughs> you never know. 
Yeah, yeah. There are some men who are quite, you know, they they are they are always receptive, shall we say? Yes, yes. <laughs> or, or maybe you know, at the end of the day, maybe what was the name of the movie when Sally met uh, Harry? Oh, when Harry met Sally. Yeah, when, when Harry met person. Sally. <laughs> yes, he has uh, the whole conversation about the fact that uh, men men uh, can be really friends because there is always a structure. Between them, you know, even if you're ugly, the men still want you. You know, so what do you do? Right. What can we do? Uh, but then again, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, we talked to all the time about the fact that we are finding that poem is between a man and a woman, but actually, you know. those terms i mean I, I think it might be because we we have started out talking about the need to have children i guess maybe it has something to yeah. do with that yeah, yeah. so but, yeah. but but in your other poems I, I seem to remember there were there were other references so it's not and as you said just a little while ago you know the narrators are not necessarily us i think reading every poem we always have to a good reader will always have to keep in mind that the poet uh, is not necessarily describing a personal experience that oh, my God. oh yeah for me it's even all the because for example whatever poem i write uh, from one side uh, i always think uh, that uh, whatever we write uh, even if we are describing someone else, uh, we are actually talking about ourselves. Mm. But at the same time, uh, I don't even believe in that. Because, uh, not, not even that I don't believe in that, but for example, I always have the idea that the moment that you have uh, a pen uh, or you start typing on your computer, mm-hmm. even if uh, it's uh, autobiographical, it becomes uh, fiction. Mm. Because uh, I always think that uh, the, the a lack of uh, objectivity mm. that makes it become uh, fiction, whatever you say. Right. You know, because in your mind you always uh, oh yeah, 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 how did it really happen? Right. But it is uncomfortable that. Right. And it's always your point of view. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the moment that someone thinks, uh, oh, this poem is about uh, you, only because, uh, you know, I'm using because poetry is such a personal uh, literary form. But going back to what you said as well, is that even if we pour ourselves into it because of this uh, subjectivity, of the subjectiveness of what we write, that it becomes fiction, period. Yes. So yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of truth to that. And again, going back to from the reader's perspective, you know, it's important if you do have the primary source as in the writer, it's nice to be able to ask whether or not this is a personal experience, whether the I, if the poem contains an I, uh, is meant to be the stand-in for the writer, for the poet. So. Yeah, yes. But, but then, you know, I wonder if uh, it's really, if it's really that important to know. Um, mm. Because then, for me, for example, it's more important uh, being truthful than mm. real. Mm. Or better, you know, or to be more realistic 
character. For example, I remember once uh, there was this woman and she was writing this poem uh, about uh, her husband mm -hmm. uh, that died. And uh, it was uh, making a metaphor about the flowers that were in the garden. And uh, she was saying those were blue flowers, uh, you know? Mm. And we just said, uh, oh, you know what, uh, uh, because uh, of the other words that you are using, if you said that after the flowers were white, white it, would, it would go better with the poem. And she said, uh, uh, oh, but the flowers were blue, so what's the point of, of writing white flowers? And I thought, uh, yeah, but no, you put white flowers, you're going to help more the reader to understand what the Mm. And in that way, you are going to be more real than what you think. Uh, I don't know if it makes sense what I'm trying to say. Yes, uh, yes. I think I think. Um, well, I think it depends on the writer whether or not how comfortable they are uh, in terms of um, because some for some writers, um, even for me, for instance, uh, sometimes I feel uncomfortable uh -huh. world building in my poetry. Sometimes I write a lot of facts based poetry. So um, uh -huh. perhaps I might not be able to use the term white flowers because they're not white flowers, but I could use a different word just instead of saying blue. So, but, yeah. but you know, poetry comes in uh, many different forms. And there are times where I am actually building a fictional world, intentionally building a fictional world within the poem, even if I'm using an I character in it. Yeah. 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 So definitely, I think for, for different poets, it might be easier to just put in something, an element that might not be factual, but work better as a poetic device. Yes. And then sometimes uh, this idea that uh, if you don't say, as you were saying about the white and the blue flower, if you don't say that it was a blue flower, you're lying. Mm. But after I think uh, maybe you can be even more honest by using another thing that didn't really happen, but it helps uh, more to read the message that you were trying to say. Right, right. But again, as you were saying, you know, that's just the personal view of what the poem is mean or what the week the reader. Right, right. And also... It's, it's nice to discuss about it. Huh? Yeah, I, I think that's what I enjoy about workshops. Also, you know, as I, I mentioned just now, that it depends on which poem I'm writing as well, because sometimes I will write fictional poems, and sometimes I will write factual poems. So yeah. it, I guess it's also part of what the poet has in mind when they're trying to set out to write a poem but when you go into a workshop sometimes having those other points of view helps you to realize exactly as you said before that even if it's not factually correct uh, a poem it can be emotionally more uh, truthful yes definitely yeah yes I think that's true of other genres of writing as well, but obviously we, we are a poetry podcast, so we have to talk about poetry. But, <laughs> um, but I think with poetry, a lot of people don't realize that when they're reading, when they're just reading poetry, maybe they don't write poetry themselves to uh, understand that poets avail themselves also of a variety of possibilities, just like in any other literary form. Yes, yes. And then, you know, I, I may notice just about, the, you know, it doesn't have to be connected to my personal life or what really happened to me. But then actually, um, I love uh, a good biography of the writer or, you know, when you can read the, you know, the real letters of uh, poets or writers, you know. Right. Um, I actually enjoy all you see, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is so, interesting. Know. It is very interesting to find out about a particular person's life, anybody's lives. I mean, that's why I have these conversations, because it's really interesting to find out. Yes. 
like what brought the poet to the point of writing a particular poem, you know, because uh, it's it's not always straightforward. No. So so I mean, because when I read the poem, the the one that you sent me, uh, it felt very uh-huh. very personal uh, in terms of. You know, in terms of what you were describing, it sounded like it could be factual incidents. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, there are factual incidents more of the other species of animals rather than of yourself. So, so it's it's really yeah. interesting to find that out. Yeah. So yeah. In, in closing, I was wondering now that everybody's reading virtually, if you're reading virtually somewhere, and also how our listeners can follow you uh, like via social media or your website. So yes, well, you can find me on Instagram. It's uh, golden wild altogether. Okay. Um, and on Twitter, it's actually So that's gold wild poppies, like the flower. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, well, thank you very much for yeah. your time. I, I really appreciated this chat. Thank you for sharing your poem. It's a nice that uh, I wasn't the only one uh, with certain ideas. Yeah, you know, <laughs> definitely. In my definitely. We all think about it. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have quite the connection with that song, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you later offline. So let me just stop the recording. (laughs) I can't wait to hear about it. The Bonnevilles are actually apes, just like human beings instead of monkeys. You can find out more information about their sexual habits in the episode notes. So be sure to check that out. You can find us, as always, at poetsandmuses.com, as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Now, in addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a safe and healthy week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.